easy when you're living with in the with the eternal light and the eternal flame, isn't it? Yep. Keep our eyes on Him; that flame will never die out. Let's pray before we open God's Word. Lord, I thank you and praise you, Lord, that you are the God who loves us, who died for us so much, Lord, so that we could be restored into the Father's household, Lord, with you as our Lord and our Savior, always loving us. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We fall before you today, Lord, knowing that all of that is your grace. We can't pay for it. We can't even do anything about it, Lord, but just fall before you and receive your wonderful grace, grace upon grace. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we bow before you now as we open your word. And Lord, if there's any, any part of us that's not right as we come before you and worship in the hearing of your word, then Lord, I pray that we can just clean all of that out, come before you, just bare and naked, Lord, to, so that you are the one who fills us. You're the one who teaches us. You're the one, Lord, that opens our hearts and our minds. May they be clean. Before you, Lord, teach us. Make us more like you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you have your Bibles there, uh, keep them open. Um, you don't have to keep them open just to Hebrews, but this morning I would like for you to keep them open. To Hebrews 11, if you have it there for, uh, before you, we're going to actually pick up where we left off, and we're going to kind of repeat a little bit of it, because this morning we're going to bear down on this whole thing about faith. I hope you thought a lot about what faith really is after we talked, first started talking about it last week. And we got all the way up to Abraham. We talked just a little bit about Abraham. But let's, we're going to pick up this morning at 8. And let's just read that down. You have it in front of you. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith... He made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city and foundation whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashores. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. <laughs> wow, sounds like a lot of stuff, a lot of reading, doesn't it? There's a lot in there, folks. You know, as we've been reading through this book of Hebrews, we come to a very special place. It's what they call the Hall of Faith. We talked about that last week. And, and we talked about last week about Abel and Enoch and, and um, Noah and a little bit about Abraham. But no one 
as you read the whole Bible, I don't think there's a theologian alive who would disagree that uh, Abraham is probably the most important example in the whole Bible about faith. There's more written about him in, in his document. It's documented, I guess, between uh, Numbers 12 through 25. Uh, there, that's the biggest story of faith there is in the whole Bible. As you go through the Old Testament, they hold him up as the, as the one, the one, that they point to about faith, even in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, um, even when they, when they later on were in the, the, the temple, they had this great uh, prayer of confession, and they held up God and Abraham as an example of faith. He said, you are the Lord God. You chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give his descendants. That was in their worship service. And listen, in the New Testament also holds him up as this great example of faith. And the father of all who truly believe, consider Abraham. Uh, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Hmm. Um, that was in Galatians. And then uh, in Hebrews 2.16, we just read a few weeks ago, it, it, it says that it, it, he uh, helps when he's comparing the angels when he was talking about that. He says, you think he's going to help the angels or not? He's going to help the children of Abraham, the one who have faith in him. That's who God helps. If so you want help, place your faith in God. That was to the, oh, in the Old Testament. And James says that because of Abraham's faith, Abraham was called God's friend because of his faith. How would you like to have a friend like God? Yeah, I'm taking him everywhere, right? Abraham, though, is the undisputed prime example of faith. And there's a lot in the whole word of God, and Abraham uh, gets the most coverage of all of them. Even here in the Hall of Faith, there's more written about him than anything. So let me just tell you a little bit about his story from extra-biblical sources, if you don't mind a little history lesson here. Uh, Abraham's story began in the 19th century B.C., uh, where he was a citizen in the city of Ur, which was in Chaldea, uh, which is near the Euphrates River. You know where all that is, right? Uh, it's pretty pretty barren out there, folks, and uh, still is. It's it's actually uh, in, uh, in Iraq. Matter of fact, it's not. It, if you go to the top of the Persian Gulf, go just a little bit northwest, you'll run into this out there in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so it's not a it's pretty a desolate system. But let me tell you something about the city of Aurora back then. They had uh, they were very sophisticated. We didn't really think about that. They were had a, a, a really great education system. We're still trying to f- figure out some of the things they did. They had a language that was probably the best around. The language system has got really sophisticated, very complicated, and we're still trying to figure it out. Of course, we're trying to figure out a lot of things like that. They had a math system that really would work in today's engineering. It was really, they were pretty sophisticated folks, and they built everything around a ziggurat. You know what a ziggurat? Oh, wait a minute, you're in the back, that's not a ziggurat break. <laughs> a ziggurat, a ziggurat is, is a, it's a mound. You've seen pictures of them, and they, you could walk up all these steps, and then it's just like flat all the way. They had a three, and it's huge, they're really big. They had a three-tiered one here in New York, and the very top of it, they had a silver, pure silver room that looked out over the royal cemetery where was buried all of the people that they had sacrificed to the moon god. Pretty bad place, wasn't it? In all of their sophistication, 
in all of their sophistication, they're still a pagan city. And we learn from, if you read today's uh, reading in Joshua, Abram was one of the citizens of that city. Pretty good one, probably. So here was this guy living in that this, this place that had great education, had great engineering, science, but they still worship a lot of gods, the wrong ones. Hmm. Ah, no, never mind what I'm thinking. We also know from Stephen's speech before the Sanhedrin while Abram lived in Ur that the God of glory appeared to Abram when he was in Ur. He wasn't, he wasn't a godly man. Um, but the Lord gave him this really astounding message. It says, I'm not going to do it. Leave your country and your people and go to the land I will show you. Whoa, would you do that today? If God said, leave your land and your people and go where I'm taking you, the land, you hadn't seen it. You don't know where it is. You don't know what it is. But let me tell you, in, in, the, in the original language, um, this is a faith story that, that came to light because Abraham believed God then. And in the language, I'm not gonna, we're not going to do any of this uh, language stuff here this morning, but he saw the land. When God talked to him, he was able to see it in the future and automatically became the present. That's what faith is. I want you to think about that. Sometime in your life, you ever had something and you, and you said, I can do that. I know I can do that. And you, you, can, you see it so clearly in your mind that you see it as now. You ever been there? Yeah, I know you have. Let me tell you what, sometimes we do that because we want to believe it, right? So we can see it in our mind's eye. But this is one that God gave him the vision to see. His mind's eye was on God, and he saw that. And in the original language, it is written so that he did it. It's almost like, it's a present perfect participle. It's almost like God's saying it, and he's already doing it. Now, that's, that's some way we need to respond to God, isn't it? Acts 7, 5, he said, a God gave him no inheritance, not even a foot on the ground. He didn't know where he was going. Didn't have anything in front of him. But he got up immediately and did it. Living in a pagan place, he believed God. God spoke to him so clearly that he believed him and he did it. <laughs> Imagine God calling you. I tried to put this picture. Imagine God calling you to a, uh, uh, you and all your descendants to this lush place in Africa. There's a lot of great places in Africa. I've been there, and I can tell you, there's, there's some places that, men. I'll tell you what, you'd love to live there the rest of your life. But he tells you, pick up your thing, and let's go camping and that, for the rest of your life. And you're going to take all your children with you. Boy, that's scary. And so imagine yourself going to a foreign land. You're not a citizen. So you, can't, you have to play by their rules, at least their political rules, right? You don't have a place to live, so we're going to take our campers with us, our tents, right? We're going to live in our tents for the rest of our life because God told us to do it. Hmm. Um, Abraham's life was just like that. He was a camper. He's a happy camper most of the time. <laughs> he never fit in where he went. He was called to go to a place God told him to go there, but he never fit in his whole life. His religion was different. 
Um, and it was really above the culture where he lived, wasn't it? He knew that. But that culture already had all that religion built in. They, they, they worshipped a lot of gods. He knew the one God had sent him. Hmm. And his standards of morality were rooted in the character of God, not in a bunch of rules that people had made up on their own to try to govern themselves. Whoa. He's different. He just didn't fit in at all, did he? And his worldview was headed the wrong way. You know, I thought about that. Wouldn't it be interesting if, if you ever done this, you ever written in, uh, uh, visited any of the countries that uh, where Great Britain had been there before us? They all drive on the wrong side of the road. I don't know. But can you imagine going on the beltway out here and find all of a sudden <laughs> you're, you're on the outer loop, but you're going clockwise? <laughs> That's the way he lived. It was counterculture. Now, let me tell you what. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between anti-culture and counterculture. He was counterculture. He was there because God sent him. He had a reason to be there, didn't he? And he's following them all the way. You know what? That really kind of sounds like some of us around here. Everything I've described so far, does this sound like where we live? Huh. I'm staying off the beltway. Don't worry. I'm... But you know what? He did it because he believed God. You know, I'd like to start calling him something. This is out of the kin on a bridge, so you may not like it. I'm going to call him a faither, not a father, a faither. And I hope I'm walking with a whole lot of faithers. Can we say that? Yeah, we can call ourselves faithers. You know, I got to think, the women, you'll never get to be a father, and the men, you'll never get to be a mother, but we can all be faithers. Can't we? Anyway, this sounds like a lot of faithers to me. You know, the life of someone who is a faither, we can call ourselves that, we live in a lot of dissonance. And I mean, he's a lot to a musician, but that's the way our life is, isn't it? We live in dissonance with the whole world around us. And that doesn't, doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that we're anti-cultural. It just means we're counter-cultural. Because we're doing it the way God has sent us here to do it, the way that he leads us, following his word. You know what? If you're really a vibrant Christian, I believe that you'll live out of sync with the world around you. I just don't think we can help it. And I don't think that Abraham was separate from his culture at all when he went there. Actually, the Genesis record tells us that um, he was pretty active in politics when he was there. Uh, but there's always this dissonance in his story and in ours, and anybody who's a faither, isn't it? He was never at home. He was always a foreigner. He was always a camper. But we as Christians have this promise of the ultimate land. You know, that's the way I want us to see heaven. We were singing about that a while ago. You know, the way that we should see heaven is just like Abraham did. I can see it there, and I have so much faith in it, it's now. We sing that song a while ago. We sing about God being our God of the past, the God of now, and the God of the future. That's because there is no time with God. We get to spend all of eternity, whatever that is, because it transcends time, doesn't it? Time won't be anything to even be considered anymore. So, you know, as believers, we can step out in faith, obedience, and follow Christ wherever, when he leads us to where? Our heavenly home. 
we can do that because it's, you know what? It's now. We can see that in our faith eye, in our mind's eye, can't we? And here's the thing. We do that by first obeying him. We're going to obey him as he, as he directs. No, we don't know where he's going to take us. I tell you this, I know it's good because it's my Lord and my Savior and knowing him. You know, think about the things that he's done in your life. There have been, may have been times when you thought, golly, this hurts. This can't be from God. You've been there. We've all been there. But it was always for good. He works all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It may hurt right now, but you know what? It's always for his good. And being with him, we're not going to have to worry about it, are we, when we get to that heavenly city? All of us are by faith. We, are, we need to become willing, I like this word, sojourners. Remember those old songs about sojourners? Yeah, okay, good. A lot, of, a lot of good old songs about that. But we're living in constant dissonance in the world as we wait our final inheritance, just like Abraham was. It's a dangerous thing when a Christian begins to feel permanently settled in the world. Hmm. Did you hear me? When we get too comfortable in the world, it's dangerous. If there's not a dissonance in your life, if you're really in tune with the world and you're trying to get comfortable and be more comfortable, it's okay. But it can't be something that you settle into. You know, look, I've got to ask you this. Have we stepped out on obedience to our individual call? I know this. I love you guys, and I really love being here, and I'm glad that the Lord has sent me here, and I'm glad that we're all working together. But you know what? We're going to have to obey the Lord in what he's leading us to do, and he's given each and every person here this morning a call to be about his, his work here. And we need to figure out together what that is because he's already active here, and he's coming soon, I think. But that shouldn't even be part of the equation. We need to be following him and serving him for his pleasure and for his glory. You know, here's something. Abraham went out and Abraham camped out. But in his obedience and in his journey, he was an overall and a patient, happy camper most of the time. There was a few little things that we we talked about that just a little bit. But you know why he was that way? Because he knew where his home was. He knew who was leading him on his journey. And he knew about the final victory. For he was looking forward. Look at this in verse 10. He was looking forward to the city with foundations. Whose architect and builder is God. He was looking for the only city with enduring foundations. As a matter of fact, permanent foundations. I don't know about you. I lived in a lot of places. But I never lived in a place where the foundation wasn't deteriorating. God built this one. It's never going to deteriorate. That's where he's taken us if we're obedient to him, if we've received him. You know, God is the builder and the architect. He is the builder. Did you get that? The builder. He didn't go out there. You think about it. We need to go and help you, Lord. We need to build this. Uh-uh. He's the builder. You know why he's the builder? Because he's the only one that can do it without a mistake. He's the only one that can make it perfect. That's where he's taking us. There's no other place I want to go. How about you? And the city was designed by God and built with his hand. No one else could build it without a flaw. 
in God's desire, here's the important thing to know. It's not a personal desire of his. It's a social desire. It is a personal, but it's also a social desire. God is building that so that we can all fellowship together with him. Whoo, that's kind of neat. God's invited us to become a part of him. We have to be pure before we can be in front of him, but he also figured out a way for that to all of us, you know, with sin in our lives, he said, I'm sending my son down there. He's going to take all your sins away. All you have to do is believe in him and receive that and obey him, and we're in. And that's where we're going. You know, I think Abraham knew that. He knew he would not only see God where he was going, but he could dwell with believers in harmony rather than the dissonance that you and I and all of us find in our lives. How much more our faith would be strengthened to step out and sojourn through life. If we, like Abraham, would continue looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was too old to have kids, and Sarah was barren, he was able to become a father because he believed in the promise of God. He can, you know what it says? It said he considered him faithful, God faithful. <laughs> God can't break promise. God can't lie. He can't do anything. He cannot do, how do you say this? Cannot not do something that he said he was going to do. Whoo, sorry. We'll work on that another day, okay? But you get the point, right? Yeah, God's the one. God's the one that says that. And so from this one man, just this one man, good as dead, the scripture says. Uh, hmm. I'm not that far away from it. No, never mind. As good as dead came all these descendants, more than you can count, more than, the, than the, the, the pieces of sand on the beach or all the stars in the sky. As good as dead because he believed him. He believed God. What God said was true. You know, it was biologically impossible for Abraham to be a father. And Sarah, too. You know, she was 10 years younger, so she was 90. He's 100, she's 90. Yeah, that's, yeah, I wouldn't be reading that in any manuals today. It, it was impossible for him to have that promise of a son. And that was before any of the covenant and any of that. So Abraham was 99 years old and his bride was 90. So uh, Sarah's personal assessment was, you know what she said? I'm worn out. We can identify with that when we can't. Yeah, she said, I'm worn out, and my master is old. Uh, and an assertion in the scripture that he was good as dead, and that's in, in verses 12, is exactly the same thing we read in the Greek in Romans 4, 4.19, where Paul said that Abraham uh, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. We see that in the Old and the New Testament. So you know what, folks? It's a fact. God's word says all that. And he knew it was humanly impossible, but he came to faith. Now, how did he get there? How did he, how did he get that kind of faith? Yeah, you know, some people think that a person of faith is just abandoned all reason. And here's something we really need to think about, because this is an argument that's going on out here in, in all the Christian philosophical circles. And there, there's one man who's maybe the most brilliant philosopher that's ever lived. He's a Christian. Shocker. Um, Alvin Polinga. 
And some people are under the impression that a person has faith and he agrees to ignore the facts. No. Not the case at all. They see faith and facts as as mutually exclusive. They're not the same thing. No. That's not what God's word says at all. And that's not the way we are to live as as Christians. Um, They see faith as facts that you can't put them together. But faith without reason is a faith without a mind. You know, we're to have the mind of Christ. And the world calls this, you're going to see this, and I think you're going to see this. They call it fetism, or it's a faith against reason. Faith without reason. It's, it's against reason. It's not true. That's not who we are to be. Because I've got to tell you, if you have just reason and no faith, well, now you have rationalism. Okay, we don't need to get hung up on all this. But I've got to tell you, if, if you have, you may be able to attack my faith. You cannot make me forget what my God has done for me and what he has proven to me right out loud in real life. Everybody here who is a believer has a testimony like that. So someone, someone brings you reason that you can't understand what's happened to you already. It came from God. So that reason you can't allow to change your faith. And if you're trying to place your faith in something that you haven't reasoned out, you know, you need to place your faith in God. So if you're not there yet either, wait on him. I can tell you, we don't do anything. We obey him and his rules and his love and his sacrifice and everything that he's shown us through him. And if you've experienced that and you know that, you can't abandon that to reason. Amen? Amen. So how did Abraham come to this this massive exercise of faith? He was in Ur. Remember that place I told you about? Not a good place to be, I would think, if you're going to be someone following God. Well, he weighed the human impossibility of becoming a father against the divine impossibility, impossibility of God lying. You know, that's another way we can measure our faith sometimes, isn't it? Maybe I can't figure this out. I can't reason this out. But if God's given it to you, you know what? You better go with him because God cannot lie. He's a God of truth. He's a God of perfection. He cannot lie. Um, he believed God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. You know, so there's sometimes I know in our lives and there's some things that, ah, oh, they just don't make any sense. And you know what we have to do? We have to stop and wait and go to God. We have to seek him and his, his wisdom and, 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 and who he is rather than cratering to what makes sense in this world around us because there's a lot that doesn't especially to God Abraham was certain that God would do what he said he saw that promise baby boy I believe he saw that he knew he was a baby boy he saw that baby boy in his mind's eye and he saw it now that's the thing about faith we have to have to know it's so real God said it it's now I can see it I can know it you know we can't get involved in this reasoning thing and let our faith go away. Faith without reason. Or we can't get involved in the twist of that, rationalism, which is reason without faith. We are to rationally assess all of life through a Bible, through God's word, and through his promises. 
And that way we can live reasonably. <laughs> Do you hear what I said? We are to be reason with God. You know, I always point to this. I, I get in these arguments with these guys that try to embrace atheism. And I told you about one just recently that was trying to read that. Was it the, uh, some things that said that Christ never lived? Holy mackerel. You know, we always never can find a really starting place. But I can tell you that God has proven those truths in our lives. So all you can do is pray for him, can't you? You know, if, if God's word doesn't say it, it, it must then be supremely rational, weighing the human impossibility against the divine impossibility of God not telling the truth. Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac, they finished well with that in their mind. You know, we're, we're in this race, right? Look at what it says in 13a. All these people were still living by faith when they died. <laughs> they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Did you hear what I just said? They saw them and welcomed them from a distance. They already welcomed them because they already could see them through the mind's eye, the Christ, the mind's eye, the mind's eye of their God that had given them. You know, death is the final test of faith. And they all passed with flying colors, didn't they? He made it, living by faith right up to the last breath. And the beauty of their dying was that they died in faith, though they never really received the fullness of the universal blessing that had been promised. Not then. The reason they could do this was they saw the unseen. Have you ever done that? Do you believe that in your faith? Have you seen the unseen? Seen it through God's word? Had it revealed to you? They really did believe in what they had not seen. And, and the patriarchs are see through the eyes of the faith of those, the ultimate fulfillment of their promises. All of them do is you go through the Old Testament. They're like these, those campers, but they're lost. And they get to the edge. I can, this is a movie in my mind. They get to the edge through all the hiking and all the trekking, and they get and they can see the city they're going to reach. And then they're just at ease, right? Can you imagine that? That's the way they were. They did see it in their mind's eye. And, and along with this, they re recognized and accepted the dissonance of being a camper where they were camped out in the land, wherever it is that they were. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. It says right there in the last part of verse 13. Strangers on earth. You read 1 Peter lately? Peter actually says that in the New Testament. Says we're aliens. You know, we're walking around here because we have someplace else we're going, folks. You know, don't get don't get all camp set up right there where you are and get comfortable because we're moving. We're moving to a whole lot better place, aren't we? <laughs> I, you know, I was doing this, and I, I I have to confess, this reminded me of a song my mom used to listen to on the radio. I grew up out in the Midwest and uh, in the south and the midwest and we used to have a lot of country music and jim reese used to sing the song that said this world is not my home you ever heard that one this world is not my home i'm just passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue he was singing this wasn't he bless his heart <laughs> you know what they died well they lived well and they finished well because they invaded they, they, they took their faith 
in dissonance in a foreign country and as aliens because they knew God was telling the truth. And they believed him. It was God that told them that. Finishing by faith comes after living by faith. That's something we have to do every day. Look at verse 14. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Ha-ha. When Abraham and his family admitted they were aliens, they were making it clear that they were not in their home country. So do you think they wanted to go back? Well, it says right here, their hearts were still in the old country. They could leave any time they wanted. But they didn't. The reason is, read the rest of it. They were longing for a better country. And because of their spiritual longing, spiritual longing, they were empowered to persevere in faith. You know what? You want to persevere? We've been talking about that. You want to persevere in faith? You can see what Christ has already gone for us. You can read all about the, the promises of God that we're going there. If you just receive him into your heart, if you make him Savior and Lord of your life, we're going there. We're going there together. Amen? Amen. You headed there? Yeah. i tell you what, I don't want this example to be wasted on us. Paul tells us in Philippians 3, 320 that our citizenship is in heaven in a greek thing and that word citizenship incur it comes from the word polit uh, help me polituma which actually has where we get politics and the cities and and all that kind of thing so we're our citizenship our citizenship you know it may be in essex in the united states for now but our real citizenship is in heaven it says so right here Ephesians 2.19, he says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens when we get there. Did you get that? We've already read this before. You're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, you can say amen, you can shout, you can dance, whatever you want when we read that one. We are not just citizens. That word actually says we are super citizens because we belong to God. We're part of his, his whole city and his household. We're supernaturalized if you're from a, another place. And Paul clearly says this. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, since you have been, and set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things done, on things above, not on earthly things. For you, are, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And you know what? Embrace that life. If you don't, you don't feel like there's a dissonance between you and this world, take this one. Embrace this life. Oh, I tell you what. It changes your heart and your mind and all that you are, all your being. And here's the thing. You'll be living by a life of faith, faith in him what he's promised and what he's doing even now and what will happen to you look at this last part therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god he's not ashamed to be called your god for he has prepared a city for you <laughs> because the patriarchs and all these people in the hall of faith uh, believed god's word 
with this absolute certainty that transcends time and reason and everything. They placed their faith in him and him only. When God called Abraham to earth, he believed and he obeyed. And because Abraham believed God when he said he was a father. God is not ashamed to be called their God. In fact, God later proclaimed to Moses, he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Ah, there was his future, right? No higher tribute could be paid to any mortal. But God proudly claims whoever trusts him, and they can humbly insert their name in this proclamation that I just read. I am the God of, put your name there. Can you say that? God is going to say to you someday, I am the God of you. I want to read this story. I don't do this much. It's a really great story. I know it's true. I found it on the internet in more than one place. But it, it, it is a, it, I, I do believe it's true. It's a story about a missionary. Um, I want to read it to you the way it's written by his family. Is that okay? After 40 years of faithful service to the Lord as a missionary in Africa, Henry Morrison and his wife were returning to New York. As the ship neared the dock, Henry said to his wife, Look at that crowd. They haven't forgotten about us. However, unknown to Henry, the ship also carried President Teddy Roosevelt, returning from a hunting trip. And Roosevelt stepped from the boat with great fanfare as the people were cheering, flags were waving, bands were playing, and the reporters waiting for his comment. And Henry and his wife slowly walked away unnoticed. They hailed a cab, which took them to the one-bedroom apartment which had been provided by the mission board. And over the next few weeks, Henry said, but failed to put the incident behind him. He tried, but he couldn't do it. He was sinking deeper into depression. And when one evening he said to his wife, this is all wrong. This man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody throws a party. We give, we give our lives in faithful service to God for all these many years, but no one seems to care. His wife cautioned him and said that he should not feel this way. And Henry replied, I know, but I just can't help it. It just isn't right. His wife then said, Henry, you know, God doesn't mind if we honestly question him. You need to tell this to the Lord and get this settled now. You'll be useless in his ministry until you do. Henry Morrison then went to his bedroom, got down on his knees, and shades of Habakkuk began pouring out of his heart to the Lord. And Lord, you know our situation and what's troubling me. We gladly served you faithfully for years without complaining. But now, God, I just can't get this incident out of my mind. About 10 minutes of fervent prayer, Henry returned to his living room with a peaceful look on his face. His wife said, looks like you resolved the matter. What happened? Henry replied, the Lord settled it for me. I told him how bitter I was that, president, that the president received his tremendous homecoming, but not, no one even met us when we returned home. And when I finished... It seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, But Henry, you're not home yet. Well said. Good story, isn't it? Folks, we're not home yet. We got a better place to go, don't we? You see, God prepared a city for Henry Morrison and for you and me and for Abraham. 
that he built. He built for us to fellowship together. And you know what? I believe that God, I don't know, I'm making this up, this is my own story, but I believe that when Henry made it to heaven, God stood there and said, well done, my good and favorite city, my good and favorite, well done, my good servant, faithful servant. That's the most important part, isn't it? And he said, you're home now. And you know what? Here's the key to the city. Amen. Our God does that. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful to you that you are such a loving God, (laughs) a faithful God. Lord, may our faith increase and be planted in you and you only. Lord, when we find all the dissonance in this life, Lord, like we're driving the wrong way on the beltway, Lord, I know that you've put us here. You've put us here for a reason, and it's your reason. Lord, I, I pray that all of us, as we work together, as we walk together in faith to you, that, Lord, you find our service, our faith, pleasing to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified by all that the faithful do here. Because, Lord, we do it for you. And, Lord, we're all looking forward to someday that we can come before you humbly and hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Some really great things about faith, I believe. Yes? If you've never, if there's someone here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never making that step and it's not a leap (laughs) it's a it's a step to jesus he gives you these promises if you will come to him place your faith totally and completely in him and his great work on the cross he died for your sins he took them away but you have to receive that from him that's all it takes if you receive that and you make him lord of your life that means you're going to be obedient to him as you lead you i can tell you i'm going to tell you ahead of time it's not easy when you're, when you're being comfortable in this world. But how wonderful it is to know when you give your, your heart and all of your life to Jesus Christ. He becomes Lord. He takes over and he fills that void he takes, that the world has put in there. And he throws it out and he fills it with his love. Oh, this is the time that we call a hymn of response. If you would respond that way, please come. Pray with us. And I pray to the Lord that he would do that. Make that step in your heart. <clears throat> Let's stand.